Welcome back to the Oasis Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. As a church, we believe that you're made for this, and God has a plan for your life. Here's this week's message. Man, I just got back from vacation in Mexico, and I'm glad you asked. Yes, I dominated on the beach volleyball court. It was incredible. Had so much fun and and uh, such a time of refreshing, and I'm so grateful. And um, one of the things I thought about a lot in at the end of the year is just how grateful I am for the church, man, for all of y'all, man. I'm so grateful to be your pastor. Y'all went in last year, man, and wanted to share uh, a few things about what God did through all of us in, in 2023. If you led a group, a connect group in any way, thank you so much. Shout out to the connect group leaders because we had over 782 people in groups last year. 782. 278 uh, serve team members. 160 people got water baptized. I'm believing that number is going to double this year. We had a Made for More campaign in 2023 where 323 people made the decision to give for the very first time. 244 people began tithing, giving 10% of their income, and 118 people gave a gift of $2,500 or more. We had 559 first-time givers, and that allowed us to give almost $300,000 to our community partners last year. Shout out to Jesus, and shout out to y'all for letting them use you in that way. And my favorite thing about that is, is I consider myself a pastor who doesn't like put a lot of pressure on people to give. It's not my style but y'all don't need that because you understand what God is doing here. And so remember we had giving, giving Sunday. Many people wanted to know what came in on Giving Sunday and it was $172,000 came in on Giving Sunday. Now you might be disappointed with that number, but I'm not. Because remember we were believing for $300,000. But what happened is y'all turned Giving Sunday into Giving December because over the next three weeks, almost $500,000 came in to the church never happened in the 40 year history. Y'all better shout to God. Jeez, it's crazy. So this year is gonna be giving December. And I say all that to say is that you really empower Christine and I as pastors. Y'all just do everything that we, you put in our heart to tell you to do, y'all do it all. And so I don't think about like finances like that anymore, like I'm just, locked into what God is saying to me to help bless you this year in 2024. So, man, thank you so much. I'm so proud to be your pastor. Y'all are killing it. Make some noise for yourselves. All the glory belongs to God, but if there's some left over, I think y'all should get it. Anyway, anybody know we're in a new series, Glory in the Trenches? I'm good, by the way, y'all. appreciate y'all. Get shout out to the worship team. We're in a new series, Glory in the Trenches. I want to give you a little background on where I got this series title from. I was having dinner uh, at a restaurant in, in, in North Hollywood with my, my, my good friend, Grant. And it was started by a, a studio engineer by the name of Manny Marroquin. And Mar Manny Marroquin owns a restaurant, and he has mixed thousands and thousands of records if you're in the music business, one of the most sought after music engineers. And one of his uh, uh, protégés, or the people that work for him, we were talking mixing music and mixing sound. And I asked him this question. I said, would you rather be an audio engineer on a project that like went viral or was a number one billboard or broke streaming records? Or would you rather be an audio engineer on some of the greatest music of our time, even if no one had ever heard of it? And he goes, my brother, all the glory's in the trenches. And I said, excuse me? 
He says, all the glory is in the trenches, in the process. If you can't tell something good is happening in the process, you won't think it's good when it actually, with the results. I said, oh, snap. I pulled out my phone. I said, I'm about to preach that thing. And the first time I talk about it, I'm going to say, you said it. The second time I talk about it, I'm going to say, I heard somewhere. The third time I talk about it, it's going to be like, like I always say, there's glory in the trenches. That's how pastors steal people's stuff all the time, man. You think Steve Harvey steals jokes. Don't let Cat Williams lie to you. Pastors are the biggest stealers in the world. Ooh, I snuck that in. If you know, you know. If you know, you know. Good Lord, Cat Williams said, I'm, I'm starting the year off right. Pastors steal way more than comedians. I'm going to be on Shannon Sharp podcast and tell you all the stuff I stole from T.D. Jakes and Stephen Furtick, man. Anyway, I'm not supposed to be telling jokes. I'm supposed to be preaching. That was funny, though. Thank you for laughing. It's great. So if you have your Bibles, turn your Bibles to Exodus 33. I've said this a lot. When you read something in Scripture, and let's say we're talking about glory, the best way to understand glory in the Bible is to look up the first place that is mentioned. So whether you go on your Bible app or you go on BibleGateway.com and you go in the search bar, search, uh, if you wanted to know about glory and you read a verse in, let's say, Romans about glory, don't forget to put it in the search bar of the Bible gateway or whatever app you're using and go back to the first time it's mentioned. Because the first time it's mentioned usually gives you insight on the second, third, fourth, fifth time it's mentioned. And glory is mentioned first and foremost in Exodus. It's, never, it's not in the book of Genesis. It starts in the book of Exodus. And what's interesting about it is Genesis means beginning, Exodus means exit. And so I love the fact that through faith in Christ, we have a new beginning. We are literally born again. But the moment that God begins a new beginning in your life, he has an exit plan for you. Some of us are not entering into the things that we have, that we know that God has for us, because we have not allowed God to prophesy our exit. You go to places based off the places you're willing to leave determines the places you're willing to go. And some of y'all have been left by people that you were supposed to leave. And that's why you're feeling rejected because they left you, but God had been trying to tell you that you need a new community for the new you and the new vision and the new dream. But you were trying to be loyal to them, not your purpose. Who am I preaching to in 2024? 2024. Let me tell you something. Rejection is one of the biggest signs you're on the right track. When you are headed toward the things of God, people ain't feeling you no more. Oh my God, we are preaching. We are preaching today. And so I got to tell you, he brings up glory a lot in this passage of scripture. And here's what I find interesting is when they're in Egypt, it starts with them being in Egypt. When Egypt represents slavery, it was literal slavery for them, but theologically it represents slavery to sin. And so they're trapped in Egypt, and God says, I'm going to reveal my glory through Pharaoh. Pharaoh is their enemy. Pharaoh is their opposition. So the very first time glory is revealed in the Bible is God is saying, I'm going to use your enemies for my glory. Come on, young people. I'm going to use your ops to reveal myself to you. So when I am doing my best work, 
it is likely when you feel like all of hell is coming against you, I'm going to use all that is against you to reveal my glory for you. So your enemies and your oppositions are the biggest chance for God to reveal his glory. And what does glory mean? It means the fullness of his goodness. Then he goes on and he's trying to give them direction. He starts to tell them that he's leading them to the promised land. And he says, I'm going to put a cloud of glory to guide you during the day and a pillar of fire, glory, to guide you by night. So now God's glory is present because people are going somewhere. So he uses the glory to guide them. He's reminding them constantly that God is good. Now, people couldn't see in a glory cloud. So visibility was low, but faith was high. So when you are in opposition, the trenches, that is a great place for God to reveal his glory. But also when you cannot see where you are going, but you know God is there, welcome the glory. Some of us are so discouraged because we can't see how we're going to get there, but God is guiding us with his presence. He starts to bring up glory over and over again. And we're going to read from Exodus 32, uh, Exodus 33, but I got to give you some background because Exodus 33 is sandwiched in between Exodus 34 and Exodus 32. Exodus 32 tells the story of Moses going up the mountain in an atmosphere of glory and getting the Ten Commandments from God written by the finger of God. This is why I don't believe that, that in politicians helping the nation be more godly through laws. It doesn't work. Because the very first thing God did when he wanted to give the law is he brought his glory. The law should be given in atmospheres of glory. So when I preach, most likely it goes better if I'm preaching in an atmosphere of glory. Guess whose responsibility that is? You. When you show up on time to worship and you lift your hands and you praise God, you create an atmosphere of glory for the pastor to preach in. So if you don't like the sermon, did you come in giving glory to God? Which if you have glory to give, you have glory to keep. Which is why God wants to bless you so much. But don't forget that the glory the world wants to give to you belongs to God. So they try to give it to you, but you give it away. And when you give away the glory, you create an atmosphere for me to preach some really tough sermons. And I don't have to be all... A, B, C, one, two, three, we can go deep because the atmosphere is there. God would never give a pen to a politician that wasn't in his presence to bring about his law in the earth. Never. It is an atmosphere of glory. So he gives Moses the Ten Commandments and the mountain of God is on fire. And Moses comes down the mountain and the people, God's people, had put all of their jewelry in the fire and made an idol out of it. Where did they get the jewelry? They got it from the Egyptians. So not only did God free them from sin for everybody who wants to make you believe that God wants you to be broke, but God allowed them to take all of Egypt's riches with them, and so they was dripping. They had on gold chains and miri hats in the wilderness, chilling, riches, I don't know what, and Moses went to get direction from God, and they couldn't wait, so they put all the jewelry in the fire and made an idol out of it. Isn't that like us in L.A. when we are going through something and we're tired of waiting because the reason they gave was Moses was taking too long. So they made a God for themselves and they put it in the fire. And when Moses came down the mountain, he, he, he saw them worshiping a golden calf that they had made out of what God blessed them with. And Moses threw down the Ten Commandments and the Ten Commandments broke in half. 
The Ten Commandments were the key for them to not just get to the promised land, but to have their promises sustained and increased. Whenever God starts to speak to you about some really tough things that you're tempted to not want to change, because you've been doing it so long, it's become your identity. And so, but when God calls you to do something great, it always takes you being transformed into the person who can do that. God never gives you something to do that you can do the way you are today. He gives you a prophetic dream for a prophetic you. So if you have a 2024 dream, but you the 2017 you, somebody, no, somebody gave me a soft binder to be able to throw and I forgot it at home as a Christmas present. So next week when I preach, there's going to be a soft binder up here and it literally says on the back, it's plush, I'm about to throw my binder. It's incredible because I can't throw this because I don't know what's going to happen to it. But some of y'all are 1992, you. Can I preach to somebody today? If you want unrecognizable blessings, you have to have an unrecognizable you. You have to have an unrecognizable you. Glory is transformative. It transforms the environment and it transforms the people. And so he, he comes down this mountain, he breaks the Ten Commandments in half, and Aaron, who's supposed to be the first priest, is the guy he left in charge, and Aaron tells a lie. He goes, hey, we just threw our gold in the fire and a calf jumped out. The lie don't make no sense. Calf just jumped out. We don't know what happened. Moses got mad. It was crazy. And so we pick up in Exodus 33, where now Moses goes back to God with the broken in half Ten Commandments. And God knows what the people did. And as my grandfather used to say, God was hotter than fish grease. He was so upset that he had led these people and guided these people. And now they're worshiping a golden calf. And we pick up in Exodus 33, verses 12, where Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people. But you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name and, I have, and you have found favor with me. That word favor and grace is interchangeable. If you are pleased with me, I need you to do something for me, God. If you're pleased with me, like you say you are, I want you to do something for me. I want you to teach me your ways so that I know you and continue to find favor with you and remember that this nation is your people. Because God was hot. So Moses is interceding for people. He's not saying, they need to get right. They need to do this. They need to do that. Like, like so many people in the world say. He's telling, hey, I know they were worshiping a golden calf, but, but God, they're your people. That's what a real leader would do. That the people are worshiping a golden calf. This, this is your people. But he says something crazy. Because I was processing this uh, on my vacation as I was just destroying people in volleyball in between sets and just, you know. I said, if I met God face to face and God told me he was pleased with me, how would I leverage God's pleasure in my life? What would I ask God to do? It would not be that. And I want to say, I speak for most people in this room, that if you had God face to face in his presence and, and you could ask him for whatever you want and God said, I'm pleased with you, you would likely not say, if you're pleased with me, can you teach me holiness? I, that's not what I want. If my kids got in God's presence and asked for something, hey, God, hey, Dad, God showed up. 
And he said, I can have whatever we want. I can have whatever we want. Bless my family. Like, what'd you tell God, baby? I tell baby, I asked God for holiness. Are you what? <laughs> you should have asked God for money. You should have asked God, like, what are the things that you would get mad if you knew that person? Had a, and God told me that I could ask him for whatever, whatever I wanted for you. God showed up and said that whatever I asked him to give you, he's going to give you. Well, what did you ask him? I asked him for you to just not have your own ways, but your ways would be like him. That's what he asked in God's presence. And he said this. He said, teach your, me your ways, because what does God's ways do? His character. So that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. He's saying, I have your favor now, but if I'm going to keep your favor, you and I need to resemble each other a little bit more than we do now. And he was Moses, saying that he wanted to resemble God. And remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him in verse 13, if your presence does not go with us, then we will ask the universe to give us what we want. Oh, no, I read that wrong. That's L.A. people. He said, if your presence does not go, I'm not going. I'd rather be in the wilderness with you than the promised land without you. I'm not going to manifest it myself. I'm not going to throw it into the universe. I'm not going to ask a crystal. If you're not going, I'm not going. I'd rather be in a dark place with you. I'd rather be in a battle with God than a blessing without him. If you're not going, I'm not going. Somebody at Oasis Church needs to have a dream so big that if God doesn't go, it cannot happen. If you can do it on your own, you are thinking too small. We need to be a church that says, I'll stay right here in this studio apartment. I'd rather be in a studio apartment that's anointed than a four-bedroom house that's cursed. I'll stay right where I am, God. God, as long as you are here. If you're not going, I'm not going. I'm not going. I'm not going to do this on my own. Because what you tell me to do without you will kill me. I need you to sustain me. I need you to guide me. I need you to bless me. I need you to transform me into the person who can even do what you are asking me to do. I don't pursue the dream, I pursue you. Last time I read, Psalm 23 says, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I'm not pursuing purpose, I'm not pursuing dreams, I'm pursuing Jesus and the good things will follow me all the days of my life. And the devil wants you to turn around and pursue the good things and have Jesus chasing you. But how you get blessed in your life is you follow Jesus so closely, so intentionally, so reverently, with so much worship that Jesus decides to stop and the blessing catches up to you because Jesus took a pause. So so the things he has for you can catch up to you. The Bible says goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. Somebody say the blessing is going to catch up this year. They're going to catch up. I'm following Jesus. If you're not going, 
I'm not going. I don't want to go. And then he says crazier stuff. How will anyone know that you're pleased with me and your people go unless you go with us? What will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? What is he saying the difference between Christians are? What is the world, especially like in our political space? We're trying to be told that what separates us from other people is, is our position on abortion. What separates us from other people is our position on this. And what separates us from other people is who we vote for. And what separates us from other people, he said, no, that stuff, every, do, it, do you. But what separates us is God's presence. God's presence is what separates us. And God's presence can be so tangible that you will get an opportunity because people, they'll call it an aura. It ain't an aura. It is the Holy Spirit on you. It is God's anointing on your life. They can call it purple, orange, green, and yellow. Someone say you've seen a yellow aura around you. That ain't nothing but the Holy Ghost making you understand what I have brought into this room. We are carriers of God's presence. We host God's presence. The Bible says that God's presence descended on Jesus like a dove. And a dove is not like them pigeons out front on Wilshire and Normandy. A dove is giddy. It's, it's, it's jitters. You do anything at all, the dove will fly off. The other day, coming, a couple weeks ago, coming to where I tripped over a pigeon out front. It didn't even fly off. I just tripped. He's like, it's like, watch where you going, cuz. I'm like, dang, pigeons gangbanging out here in LA? A dove will fly off at the slightest. So if you have a pigeon on your shoulder, you can just do anything. Pigeons don't care. You had a dove on your shoulder, you couldn't move quick. Everything you do, you would have to keep the dove in mind as you did it or the dove is leaped. That's the presence of God being on you. Now, when you put your faith in Jesus, the presence of God is in you. But to do what God has called you to do, the presence of God has to be on you. It's in you, but it's on you. And when he's on you, everybody can tell. When you go on an audition, they can tell. When you go on an interview, they can tell. When you go on a date, come on, somebody, a good man, a good girl, they can tell that you have God on you. His glory is on you, in you, through you. It's a beautiful thing. And this is what separates Christians from other people. And so the Lord says, all right, Moses, think about you being able to change God's mind. God says, I'm not going. Moses is like, come on now. I'm not going either. And God said, I got to respond to that. So I'll go with you. I'll do the very thing you've asked, verse 17, because I'm pleased with you and I know you by name. I tell this story all the time because it's one of the most powerful things that ever happened to me. I was a youth pastor uh, several years ago, and I had this big faith idea to, uh, to get people, to get 150 youth to go to a youth camp, and we didn't have the money for it. And so I signed this big $60,000 contract that if we didn't collect enough of the registration fees, Pastor Philip and the church would have to pay. And so a week leaving before camp, I was $10,000 short. And my boss called me in and said, I cannot go to Pastor Philip and say he has to cut a check for 10 grand. You got to do something. I said, I got it. And I went in my office and I prayed to God like, God, I don't have it. I don't got it. Like, I'm about to get fired. I signed a contract. My church is going to owe 10000 I'm literally just processing my fear. And my phone went off. And the text message said, hey, Julian, haven't spoke to you in a while. A number I didn't recognize. By any chance, are you praying for anything for the youth? 
And I said, Jesus done got a cell phone, man. Oh, snap. <laughs> like, shoot. So I text back. I don't know who this is, but I was just praying for $10,000. I didn't hear anything back. I searched the number in my emails. <laughs> I said, all right, Jesus. And uh, searched the number in my emails and found out that it was this wonderful lady who had given $1,500 to the youth ministry two years ago. And I was like, dang, you put it on somebody's heart that I was praying for something that actually had some resources. I mean, it ain't 10 grand that she gave, but it was whatever. She texts back 45 minutes later. She said, I was in the grocery store and the Holy Spirit said, Julian's praying for something for youth right now, text him. No, she said, Julian's praying for $10,000 right now, you need to text him. She texts me, I, Julian's, the Lord said, Julian is praying for $10,000 right now, you need to text him. And so we, I talked to her on the phone. She said, in the moment, I didn't tell you what the Lord told me. So when you told me you were praying for $10,000, I knew my husband and I were supposed to wire it to you. It'll be there tomorrow. And she wired 10 grand. I walked back in my boss's office like, yeah, we outside. Like, I'm just like, I didn't even know what to yell. I was like, we in these streets. Talk to me nice. Let's say, all that stuff we yell when God do something. We act like it was us. Talk to me nice. <laughs> Forgot to praise him. I'm like, oh, my bad. Hallelujah, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. I went to my boss's office, and within 24 hours, I was weeping. Not at the $10,000, but I, I remember what she said. She said, the Holy Spirit told me, Julian is praying. Then it went from the 10 grand to God knows my name. God told this woman my name. He said to Moses, I know you by name. I know you by name. I know your name. I know you're in the trenches. I know you're in the battle. I don't encourage you with something. God knows your name. So as soon as God said, I know your name, Moses had been asking God for his presence, and he upped it. Because verse 18 says, he goes, okay, with presence, show me your glory. Wait, he said presence, and now he said glory. Well, presence, God is omnipresent. God is everywhere. God is everywhere. So technically, God's presence is everywhere. So then what is the difference between glory and presence? God's presence is everywhere. God's glory is only in places where people acknowledge God's presence. I, I got to get rid of this. Did you hear what I just said to you? It's the acknowledgement of his presence that releases the glory and increases his presence. So God's presence is in the world, but since the world won't acknowledge him, his glory cannot be revealed. His glory is Moses was acknowledging God's presence and then asked God, I want the fullness of your presence. He said, I want your glory. And the Lord answered this, and a lot of Bible scholars believe that this is the best definition of glory in the Bible because God said, you want my glory? Okay, here's how he answered it. Verse 19, and the Lord said, I will cause all, somebody say all, my goodness to pass before you. So that's the definition. The God's glory is, in, is all of his goodness passing before you. And I want to tell you right now, and you could take a picture or write this down because this is going to be huge if we're going to experience God's goodness in the trenches and the process of life. The highest form of God's goodness is not the house God lets you buy, the career he allows you to have, 
or even miracles, but the level of his presence he allows you to experience. I'm good, girl. I'll say it again. I said, come on, somebody. We outside. Just start yelling, tap in with your boy. The highest form of God's goodness is not the house God lets you buy, the career he allows you to have, or even miracles, but the level of his presence he allows you to experience. This is why Martin Luther King is my favorite leader of all time, not because of what he did, because of what he saw. He said, I've been to the mountaintop and I've seen the Lord. He said, I'm not fearing any man, for my eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. So Martin Luther King was not motivated by inequality. He was motivated by glory. How? See, the, 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 the freedom fighters today and the justice people of today are motivated by the inequality. There is inequality. There is racism. But ending racism and ending inequality was not Martin Luther King's motivation. His motivation was mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. So then now I am doing my part to end inequality because when inequality is ended, God will get the glory. Not I will get what I feel I'm owed or what's fair. What was he trying to do? He was trying to glorify God. Give me one freedom fighter that you have heard in the last five years that their goal is to glorify God. Not one. Their goal is equality. No, no, no. His goal was glory. And God would get the glory. So what's happening in this room right now, when you see all these different people from different walks of life worshiping each other, this is not, we're not doing this to represent what equality and diversity looks like. We are representing what the glory of the Lord can do if a bunch of people would set aside their races and cultures and worship him. God is getting glory in this room right now. God is getting glory in this room right now. And so he, he wants to see this glory. And the Lord says, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. So two things happen. When Moses experienced God's glory, Moses experienced a deeper level of God's presence and God said something to him. If we're going to experience God's glory in the trenches, God's glory in the process, then we have to experience deeper levels of his presence and God has to talk to us. Proclaim his name means proclaim who I am. And so when I unpacked this, I was like, proclaim his name. Exodus 34, if we skip to there, says what God said to Moses, which is crazy. I want to fast forward to that because when we read proclaim his name, it's like, my name is Lord, the Lord, the Lord. No, he said some stuff to Moses. Exodus 34, and I want to highlight that. Remember, now Moses is experiencing God's presence at a high level, but God said something to Moses. God proclaimed his name to Moses. And Exodus 34, verses 6 and 7, tell us what God said. It said, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands of generations, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, obviously based off what they do because he would clear the guilty later through Jesus, 
visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. This is the best verse in the Bible about generational curses. And can I give you some theological correction on generational curses? That if you believe in Jesus, there is no such thing as a generational curse. There's only generational choices. And it's the generational choices that release the generational curse. You cannot follow Jesus and do what the word tells you to do and be under a curse. It is theologically impossible. But what the devil wants you to do is make the choice your granddaddy made to release the curse your granddaddy had. This is like, so we got to stay away from those choices, those unforgiveness, those things like that. There are spiritual choices and practical choices. And he proclaimed 13 things in this verse. And, and many people from the Jewish faith that celebrate what God did in Exodus and Yom Kippur and other these holidays, they take these 13 things and during Yom Kippur, they, they apologize a lot, they ask for forgiveness, and they recite the 13 proclamations that God made about himself in this moment. And, to, and tomorrow on the app, I'm going to put these 13 proclamations because they believe that if you know these 13 things about God and you experience these 13 things about God, that you actually know God. And they'll, they'll recite it in, in Hebrew. And forgive me if you speak Hebrew, but I wrote them down and I want to try to tell them, tell you what they recite. These 13 things that God proclaimed about himself. And they say, Adonai, Adonai, il rashum vishanun. Erek apayim vravchesed vemet notse chesed la alafim nose avan vafesha vashata vaneke. Now say it over and over again. That wasn't bad, by the way. That wasn't bad. In English, it is the Lord, the Lord. Twice. And they count as one and two. Not Savior, Savior, the Lord, the Lord. You are my leader, you are my leader. Mighty, merciful, gracious, long-suffering, which means patient, abundant in love, abundant in truth, number eight, keeping his promise to thousands, number nine, forgiving inequity, number 10, forgiving transgressions, number 11, forgiving sin, number 12, and then clearing and cleansing those sins by himself, Number 13, number one, the Lord, number two, the Lord, number three, he is able, he's mighty, number four, he is merciful, which means I deserve bad things, but God withholds them, number five, he is gracious, which means I don't deserve good things, but he gives them. Long-suffering, he's been patient. I've been saying I'm going to give my God my all. The last, I've been saying it since DMX dropped his first album. But yet in 2024, I'm still not doing that, and God is patient. He has not struck me down. He has not forget, forgotten me. He has not forsaken me. He is patient. He's abundant in love. L.A. loves that part. But number nine, eight, he's abundant in truth. L.A. hates that. He's abundant in love and truth. 
and he keeps his promise to thousands of generations at a time. So some of y'all, as disobedient as you have been to God, God is blessing you because your great-great-grandma got on her face in his presence and said, God, would you bless my family for generations? So although you have not done anything to get, earn the blessings you have in your life, God is keeping his promise to your granny in heaven. If you are trifling in this room and grateful for granny's prayers, shout to the Lord right now. Come on, man. Where are my trifling people at? And you ain't read your Bible since Obama was in office, but yet you blessed because your granny was praying for you. Somebody shout to God right now for a praying grandmother when you've been acting a fool for the last seven years and you still blessed. Some of your grannies didn't even know what to pray. They just see you walk out the door and go, Lord. Come on, that's that black grandma prayer, that extended Lord. Anybody ever heard that grandma? Lord. And that was the prayer. Y'all don't even pray. Somebody going through something and text you, hey, can you pray for me? And you send them the prayer hands, and that was the prayer. <laughs> Come on. Any, come on, you guilty, raise your hand if you send somebody to prayer hands and that was the prayer. I've done it, I'm a pastor. Hit you with them, I don't even take the time to put the black hands, I'll just send them the white hands and just, hey. <laughs> I send them Billy's hands and like, that's, that's between you and God. I ain't even going through the motion to get <laughs> Jerome's hands, I'm sending you Billy's hands. God gonna have to bless you. He said, no, I'm going to be faithful for generations. So then what you're doing and praying about and the things you're doing now to give God glory, your great, great, great grandchildren could be living in the shadows of the sacrifices you made today. If we could just get a church full of people that want to give God glory. I'm going to put all these 13 things on the app because we need to live in this for a season because the reality is, and I'll invite the team to come up. I want you to stand to your feet. The reality is, is that glory in the trenches, God's goodness in the process begins with three simple things. Are you ready? God's presence, God's ways, and God's word. These are the things that Moses received from God during that atmosphere of glory. God's presence, God's ways, which is his character. This is a season for you to be more familiar, for God to, to be more familiar in who you are. God's presence, God's ways, and, and God's word. And these 13 attributes of God, I mean, God is cannot be conceived by the human mind, so, Obviously, there are more things, there's more layers to God, but the Jewish faith believes that these things that God proclaimed to Moses in his glory, these 13 things, if you experience these 13 things, you can say that you know God. If you experience him being his, the Lord, if you experience his grace, if you experience his mercy, if you experience it, and it is this that you need. I cannot apologize on behalf of God. There are too many public relations pastors that believe they need to make excuses for God. If God is so good, then why do bad things happen to good people? 
First and foremost, Romans says there are no good people. Only God is good. And secondly, our entire faith is based off of a bad thing happening to a good person. Jesus never sinned, never did anything all, and they hung him on the cross. But what God, what the enemy meant for evil, God used for good. Because it was that thing that allowed you and I to come into his presence. Into his presence and experience God in a fresh new way. And God's glory was revealed through Jesus' death on the cross. And then his subsequent resurrection and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And so you're in this room, able to experience in a new way what Moses experienced. But the glory is now within you just as much as it is around you. And you will get to heaven and you might want to ask Moses, what was it like in Exodus 33? And Moses will want to ask you, what was it like to be in church on January 7th? And what I had to beg God to give me in an atmosphere of fire, you get in an atmosphere of grace. And you can have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, helping you do all the things that God has for you. And there's somebody in this room today where being able to experience God's goodness comes from experiencing goodness in the gospel. And somebody here today needs to give their life to the Lord. Whereas for the first time, or maybe you came to church when you were a kid and you strayed away, but I want to know right now, does anybody want to know God's ways? Tired of doing it your way. And you want to come to the Lord today and find all of those 13 things as God leads you and guides you and blesses you. There's about 20 people in here right now at least that I'm not talking about do you come to church. I'm not talking about do you believe Jesus exists. But have you accepted the gospel message that Jesus came, he lived, he died, and he was resurrected so you could be set free from sin. So that in the trenches you could experience God's goodness and that you would follow him and live with him forever for all of eternity I'm talking about do you want to make that decision because the Bible says if Jesus is lifted up he's drawing all humanity unto him and if you're in this room saying that's me I need to give my life to the Lord I need to listen to what the Holy Spirit is doing and drawing me to right now I want you to lift your hands to the heavens be bold start the year off right if you need Jesus in the house of the Lord today Lift your hands up high. We thank you, Lord. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. Anybody over here? 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. Anybody in the balcony? 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. There's about 30 hands. Can we give God a shout of praise? A shout of praise. I want to prophesy over somebody that is going through a tough season that if you can't see God's glory in the trenches, you won't see God's glory in the promise. He's already given you his word. He said he will do it and he will do it. But it is the glory that is transforming you into the person that can handle everything God wants to give you in 2024. And I know it's taking longer than you think, but because it's a generational blessing, He's thinking about your husband. He's thinking about your wife. He's thinking about your kids. He's thinking about your grandchildren. He's going to give you a blessing that in the year 3000 is still unfolding because he's faithful from generation to generation. So we want to have generational blessings. The church at Oasis needs to have generational dreams. Somebody give a shout to the heavens right now. We praise you. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe, review, and share with a friend. 
To join us on the journey of being present, connected, and generous, visit oasisla.org connect. We love you so much and we'll see you soon.